Hi, everybody, and uh, thanks for joining our weekly podcast. I'm Robin Lewis, founder and CEO of The Robin Report, which, by the way, is much more than just a daily report. It, It really is a knowledge platform from which we communicate thought leadership on various strategic topics um, through, yes, the daily reports, but also these podcasts. And we do webinars and hopefully in the future, some live events. So today, along with our chief strategist, Shelley Cohan, who is also a professor at FIT and Syracuse University, we welcome you to our weekly podcast the topic of which is what's in store for 2023. I guess that's a timely conversation to have. Um, What's in store, like a store. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So Shelly, I know you come up with uh, your retail trends every year. So I am anxious uh, to hear what they are as I hope our audience is, but I also have a few of my own as you know, um, that our listeners may be interested in hearing. I really do believe, though, that 2023 will be a year of the acceleration of many of the trends we're going to talk about, Shelley, even, even if we slip into a recession, and even with the continuation of geopolitical issues and war. Retail's era of transformation marches on, so to speak. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Robin. And also, it was very hard this year, more than other years, to cull down like my top trends because there is, you're right, there's a lot going on and there's a lot yeah. of acceleration out there. So, um, and I'm sure you're going to add in your hot topics, which I'm anxious to hear about. So, let me get started with my first trend. This is a no brainer in that we did a whole podcast on this already, um, but it was called Mad Men 2.0. All right. With retailers being really squeezed financially, it makes sense for them to really go after advertising dollars. Of course, you know what I'm talking about, Robin, retail media networks. Yeah, Shelly, of course. I mean, retail media networks, RMN, will be a major transformation of how advertising will be structured and used in the industry going forward, particularly by brands and retailers. Um, No doubt about it. some of the biggest retailers in the world are becoming media giants. And why? Because of the magic of analytics and the ability of laser-focused advertising, you know, to the millions of eyeballs these retailers own. And as we we mentioned in our podcast, a retail media network spend is projected to become over $52 billion dollars by 2023. That's right, Robin. And according to Andrew Lipsman, he's at eMarketer. He's one of the principal yep. analysts there. Retail media is moving aggressively into streaming from TV. So the U.S. retail media market is evolving beyond just search into <coughs> upper funnel advertising formats with streaming on TVs, capturing the attention and budgets of major brands. He says this is the actually the holy grail for advertisers. Yeah. The example that I talked about back in the start of the NFL season in September is how, as an example, Amazon is using its newly acquired rights to the NFL's Thursday night football to directly advertise to millions of loyal fans. 
these fans are loyal to the NFL and loyal to Amazon. Right. So, you know, Amazon can, can take advantage of this Thursday night football streaming event and sell advertising to its vendors. So look at this, Robin. The first NFL game on Thursday night that Amazon stream yeah. averaged 13 million viewers. Wow. According to Nielsen uh, TV ratings. That's 47% higher than the NFL Network game the year before. Wow. Incredible. Really good point, Shelly. And once again, you know, the three largest retailers in the world are taking the lead on this one. Walmart, Kroger, and Amazon. So, um, okay, so let's move on to the next trend, Shelly, since we did cover this extensively in our, you know, past podcast. I promise, Robin, I'll move off this topic, but let me, <laughs> I just got to add one more tiny thing here. Okay. Uh, and this, this really showcases why this is such a big, important trend for retailers. And this is from eMarketer. Kroger is deploying best-in-class data to drive commercials on Roku ad-supported CTV content. So when you think about this, so Kroger's is working with Roku to stream directly to the TVs, which is just huge. And remember, yes. Rob, we, we talked about the Kroger-Albertson's potential merge. This is yep. going to be huge. Incredible. Right? Yeah, incredible. So anyway, the second trend for retailers comes from a real shift in consumer behavior. And while consumers have really been talking about sustainability and consumption, we haven't really seen a great advancement towards consumers really buying less stuff in the past. I believe 2023 is the year that we're going to see consumers really slowing down. I call it consumerism <laughs> curtailment. Good term. Repair, <laughs> recycle, yeah. reuse, thrifting, gifting from the past, buying less stuff. So a colleague of mine who is in the UK, Tiffany Dark, has really done an incredible job working in uh, sustainability. And it's really cool on her site, It's Not Sustainable with Tiffany, posted about an article called The New Rule of Five. So huh. there's a new, new a report out there that suggests that we consumers should only purchase only five new things a year. A well, year. let me jump in here. <laughs> I I don't buy five new items a year, but Shelly, I'm sure you do. Anyway, <laughs> I buy five new time. I buy five new things every time I go on a shopping spree. <laughs> but, um, I have to change that. But this is a massive shift, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is something really cool that was in the UK uh, Times how uh, the title of the article was Thrifty Camilla says charity shops are fit for a queen. So Camilla was out uh, shopping, thrifting, uh, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. So I do think the movement's on and I think retailers are responding by adding resale to their uh, websites, to their stores. They're offering recycle, they're offering repairs. Um, this is the year. Yeah, good points, Shelley. And, and you know, I do agree that the movement is on, but there's another kind of puzzling core segment of teenagers that are buying tons of stuff from, you know, that new China-based brand, Shein, uh, which we had a podcast about. You know, it's 
it's making uh, the company the fastest growing e-com brand in the world. So, you know, Sheehan's market share in, in the United States more than doubled between March 2020 and March 2022, going from around 18% to some 40%. So, Shelly, this raises a question I always have. If these kids are so determined to save the planet, right, sustainability and so forth, are they just talking the talk while, you know, while they are standing in a long line waiting for entry into a Shein store to buy more tons of stuff? Good point. Anyway, yeah. And I must add, into the trend on consumerism curtailment, which I, I think that term is great, another factor that is actually, I think, counterintuitive to the trend of reuse, recycle, and thrifting it is something that I've been talking about for years, and the past year has made it worse. It's this hollowing out of the middle class. You know, you have the high income earners that are really not as impacted by inflation, rising interest rates, or even a looming recession. And they are really on a feeding frenzy, uh, Shelley, driving the luxury markets way up. Again, eMarketer predicts the lux market will increase by almost 7%. And by the way, Neiman Marcus reported 70% of its stores had its highest revenue in 10 years. And according to Bain & Company, um, the luxury market's consumer base broadened in 2022 with some 400 million consumers. And that's expected to expand to 500 million by 2030. So the global luxury market is projected to have grown by 21% in this 2022 year. So bottom line, the luxury markets are doing extremely well. But on the other side of the spectrum um, are the discounters and they're serving the lower income markets and they always do well in a downturn economy you know, or when prices accelerate as they have done this year. So it's that middle income customer, Shelley, that's being squeezed and most cannot rise up so that they're turning to lower priced goods and therefore the discount and off price markets uh, benefit greatly. Anyway, full circle, um, back to saving the planet and that whole concept. Because of this hollowed out middle class, there is more of a mindset to reuse, recycle, thrift, and frankly, buy less goods. But again, you know, except for those Shein-obsessed teenagers, confounding. Well, I mean, certainly the weight of higher inflation all year and this possible recession <laughs> certainly has consumers thinking about budgets and spending money. And you're right, Rob. And when you look at the retailers that are really struggling, Gap, Bed Bath & Beyond, J. Crew, Ann Taylor, JCPenney, Kohl's, they're all that mid-market. Yep. So, and, and Robin, you mentioned Shein. So let me just tell you about another hot trend. And quite frankly, I think it's the single biggest opportunity for retailers. So Shein's ability to get out in front of trends, so they're ahead of the marketplace quickly, is partly attributed to the company following their ambassadors on social media. 
and they monitor social media like a hawk so they can understand yep. trends before trends are trends so they follow the ambassadors and then they also follow the ambassadors circle of social network so they're getting this real-time view of what's happening on the mind of the consumer yeah. so social media social media sentiment monitoring and the rise of social commerce is a blue ocean for retailers and brands because the hottest leads on TikTok are people and influencers. It's not brands. Right. I think brands are really missing out here. <clears throat> so let me just explain what I mean here. Lululemon is a great example. You know Lululemon, it's a global brand. Um, everyone knows Lululemon. On TikTok, they have less than 300,000 followers. This is a global brand. Yeah. When you Crazy. talk about REI, REI builds a company ethos around connection with community. They have all these great things that they do. Um, they're really a global brand as well. Well, on TikTok, their customer base is only 70,000 followers. Urban Outfitters, another example. I picked Urban Outfitters because they have typically a young market. Yep. They have less than 200,000 followers. Incredible. So even Nike, who just posted last year, I think they had 47 billion in revenue. Right. They only have 3 million followers on TikTok. So Incredible. my point being is if you look at the top influencers on TikTok, so if you look at Bella Porch, <clears throat> who's a 25-year-old, who her big claim to fame is making these TikTok videos, she has, ready for this, Robin? 93 million followers. Oh, come on. Yes. Never Charlie, heard of her. <laughs> Charlie DeMilo has 150 million followers. Cobby Lane has 152 million followers. These are names that I have never heard of. And of course, um, I shouldn't have because TikTok doesn't care about me. <laughs> but you're right. I don't believe these numbers. It's crazy, right? So what my point is, is that brands have a golden opportunity to figure out how to really create revenue from social media and drive future social commerce. If they can get a following like these individual influencers as brands, um, they can really drive a awesome revenue stream, you know, from TikTok. They have to figure out the TikTok model. Yeah. So Shelly, yeah, maybe maybe if a brand can get 150 million followers on TikTok, they can sell ad space to the vendors, capitalizing on the two two of the trends that we discussed today. But a quick aside, Shelly, and this has been cropping up in the news lately more than ever regarding TikTok, and I'm sure you I know you're aware of this, a lot of bad press about China collecting personal and um, security data. China owns TikTok, as you know, yeah. and even causing young people to engage in so-called games or challenges that have led to death among a lot of young people. And uh, the big irony here, Shelley, is that China, China, even though they own TikTok, they prohibit its use in China among their people. Anyway, that's a whole other topic, which, you know, will continue to be, um, you know, evolving over the next 
probably a couple of years, but it's becoming a, a, a government issue. Anyway, moving on, Shelley, um, I do want to add in another trend that will continue uh, to accelerate in 2023, and that is the small neighborhood store strategy, <clears throat> which, as you know, I predicted, I predicted it to be the biggest strategic and structural shift in retail's history. Uh, and of course, this was our podcast a few weeks ago, so I won't belabor the point, but but to kind of summarize, it is a small neighborhood store strategy as a completely new, and get this, completely new distribution channel for growth. And based on the dynamics of technology, you know, intersecting with a new wave of young consumers, um, their new set of values and more power than every consumer before them, retailers have got to respond by rolling out small stores in the neighborhoods of their consumers, curated with only uh, their preferences. Get it? It's like across the street from where they live. And another trend providing new channels, Shelley, is for growth is the accelerating strategy of shop in shops. Right. I mean, you know, the most, uh, you know, you know, um, obvious ones now are Ulta and Disney on Target's platform. And then you've got Sephora and Amazon on Kohl's, Toys R Us on the Macy's platform. And, you know, there are many others out there, but these are new and shared uh, distribution platforms. Remember, Shelley, in my book, The New Rules of Retail, coined, I coined the term preemptive distribution. Simply either a key tap away or in a store across the street. You sure did, Robin. And right behind me on my bookshelf is your book. You probably can't see it from here, but it's right there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, and I'll throw in a few more points really quick before our podcast ends. Building off your small store neighborhood imperative, we're also seeing more of the mixed use space. Yeah. So where customers live, work, shop, and eat all in the same area, um, which brings me to my last two trends. One, community as a pillar of investment and focus and workforce redo. So really based on the new attitudes at work, remote work, <sighs> building a mutual commitment between employers and workers, um, this should be a whole nother uh, podcast that we do. Yeah, and it may save a lot of the old traditional enclosed malls, right? Right, of course. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, amen, Shelley. As and as I said, um, regardless of the issues beyond our control, retail seismic shifts and its transformational era will only accelerate in 2023. Uh, but for now, happy holidays, and we wish all of you a wonderful new year. Happy New Year and want to thank all our listeners for supporting us all year round. You can find out more of our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Buzzsprout, and therobinreport.com. Look for us on YouTube where we broadcast our podcast as well. And please follow us on show, social media, link in with us for the latest thoughts about the industry. And thanks so much again for tuning in. And um, once again, I will tell you if you have any topic ideas that you would like Shelly and I to cover, just send me an email and it's robin at therobinreport.com. Thanks once again. <laughs>